So how does somebody go from blocking when ordering at a McDonald's drive-thru and sometimes not even being able to say his name when meeting new people to not only not doing that anymore, but also reaching a point where he now has basically zero anxiety and zero concern about stuttering? Well, in this episode, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about today, which is my story. This is my journey of going from a person who felt very debilitated from stuttering to the point where now I feel like I can literally pursue anything and my speech is not holding me back even the slightest from going and pursuing the things and living the life that I want to live. And so today I'm just going to bring you along like we're at a coffee shop, just you and me as friends. I got my coffee. Hopefully you got yours. And I'm just going to walk you through. I'm going to give you almost in a, I'm just going to give you the timeline. I want to show you from what how it all started in my childhood all the way to the present day so that you have a clear understanding of not that it's going to happen exactly the same way for you in terms of the exact details because everybody's story is different, but I think this is going to give you a real sense, a real feeling of inspiration and hope that you can go do this yourself. You can transform yourself. This is possible, and that is why I'm sharing my story with you today. So let's dive in. Welcome back to Speak Your Mind Method, where I'm here to help you overcome stuttering, learn life-changing speech skills, and build a life of incredible fluency and confidence. So I'm about to dive into my story. Before I do that, though, I do want to give you a gift. I want to let you know that I have a free workshop you can watch literally immediately if you want to. You could even go watch it right now and then come back to this episode or just wait until the end. But this is a free 45 plus minute training. It's called the Stop Stuttering Workshop. And I'll leave a link in the description below if you're on YouTube or if you're listening anywhere else, you can just go directly to speakyourmindmethod.com and you'll find right on the homepage, you can't miss it, you'll see the free workshop there. So go grab that, go watch it. And then don't just do that, but actually implement it because you have a daily routine, you have a plan, and this will map out and give you a roadmap to achieving 90% fluency in as little as six weeks. So be sure to check it out. You'll find the link again in the description below or just go to speakyourmindmethod.com. So let's dive into my story as well as three critical lessons that you can learn from my story and apply to your own life. So, And I'm going to share those at the end, so be sure to stick around for that. So what I thought I would do is start at the beginning. Start with my childhood and where did it start how was the journey for me and then I'm just going to walk you through step by step throughout my teenage years all the way into the present day. So as far as my childhood is concerned I was raised in rural Pennsylvania here in the United States at a pretty chill childhood. Uh, For those of you who might be interested um, I was actually raised Amish believe it or not so just if you don't know what that is just A-M-I-S-H the Amish it's like a very I guess people would say it's an interesting religious group. Um, So many of you have heard of this group before, but I was raised in that setting. So it was very much, even though I was born in America, grew up in America, I never felt like a normal American until fairly recently in, you know, my early 20s or maybe late teens. I started to feel like I could blend in uh, with normal Americans, but So I was raised Amish as a kid all the way up until the age of 12 when my parents ended up leaving the Amish church, the Amish group, and then I, obviously as their kid, just left as well. Uh, But that's 
a story for another day. That's not exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. But just so you have somewhat of an idea of what my life looked like, looked like as a child. And one of the interesting things about my story is that I didn't really develop a stutter, or at least I didn't see myself as a stutter when I was a kid. And I've actually, I thought that it's more rare than it actually is because recently, since I've started Speak Your Mind Method and I've been talking to people who struggle with stuttering, I've realized that it's actually quite common in terms of you can go through your childhood. You might have a few hiccups here and there. You might stumble sometimes or once in a while have a hard time getting your words out, but you don't actually see yourself as a stutterer. You don't go around being overly anxious about it. And that was my journey initially. And, but that is until I would say the age of 13, 14 is when it started to be a bit more frequent and a bit more problematic and, and it would annoy me and I would start to notice it more. But just so you have an example of when I was a kid, I don't have that many vivid memories of me stumbling over my words. Although there was one sort of one-off time that's very random to me. I don't know why this happened the way it did, but I remember, so as I mentioned, I was Amish. So I was in the Amish school, literally just a tiny private uh, school of probably 24, 25 students, if I remember correctly. So in my grade, I was probably in the fifth grade at this point, fifth or sixth grade. And, um, my class, which was five of us, I think, we stood up in class and we had to read in front of the class. And I remember just randomly, because usually I would not have issues with this. I would just go through it. I'd be fine. Randomly on this day, I blocked. There was a particular phrase or word. I don't remember the exact details of it, but I just know all of a sudden I couldn't get the words out. And that was actually new for me at this point. In terms of, I'd never remember having an experience quite that intense in terms of I am reading something in front of somebody or I'm trying to say my name or something and I truly can't get it out. I'm truly blocking, right? And so I did have that one-off moment. But then, you know, as it is when we're kids, it's like our brains are so adaptable and we just quickly can pivot so long as the emotion isn't too strong or it doesn't, we don't then uh, fall into a negative thought pattern or loop. And, and I didn't fall into, into a negative thought pattern or loop. And I was able to um, navigate my way out of that and never really struggle with it again, or at least not while I was in school uh, in, you know, fifth, sixth grade and so on. But I'm sharing that story just to give you a picture, give you an idea of my childhood. So now let's segue into when I was 12, 13, 14, you know, into my early teenage years. So this is when I started to notice that I did have some struggles with my speech. I would go through periods of time where I wasn't truly able to quite articulate what I wanted, or I couldn't really say what I wanted to say very well. And I was very unaware of exactly what was going on still, although I was aware that I did tend to stutter. So I started to think about the word stuttering a little bit more during this time period, and I started to become slightly more aware of it, although my overall awareness of my speech and my ability to speak was very, very, very low still, as it is with most of us if we never truly become um, 
proactive in our attempt to become great speakers or to improve our speech skills. There is a real problem with lack of awareness. People don't even know how they sound. They don't even know what... uh, And that then leads them to not being able to read the room well because you need to be able to be aware of how others are perceiving you and how you sound and how you are coming across in order for you to actually be empathetic and to help the people you're trying to help. But but anyway, coming back to when I was a young teenager, one of the interesting things that I remember about this time period was I, I would go through almost these cyclical seasons. And what I mean by that is, let's say it would be the month of March and I wouldn't and I would mostly talk smoothly and I'd be fine. But then all of a sudden, um, it would, in April, I would have, I would fall into these patterns and these habits of all of a sudden I'm not able to speak as well anymore. I get blocked up more. I stutter more. But then at the end of April, it would come back around and I would be fine again for about a month. It was a very strange pattern that, that was happening. And what really got me annoyed and got me started wanting to fix it and wanting to change it was the frequency of those patterns or the frequency and the number of times when I would fall back into stutters or blocks, it escalated. It started to really increase when I was about 14, 15 years old. And, but here was the problem. And this was a massive problem at the time. I didn't know where to go. I didn't have a plan. So this is an explosive combination. When you start to become aware of a problem in your life, then you set out to try to find the solution, but you have no good solution and you have no plan. So what was happening here was I was thinking about it more, which made me become more anxious about my speech, more mechanical, more aware in a negative way about the way I was speaking. And that just affected my overall well-being and sense and feeling of, of, of happiness. So that is its own thing, right? You think about it more, you become more aware of it. But then when you try to, to go, when you set out to try and fix the problem and you have no good plan to follow, then the problem really escalates because then you feel desperate. You start to lose hope. You start to feel like you're just stuck with it forever. And this is the time period when, when I was about 14, 15, where I started to feel that. It seemed like this is something that I was just going to have to live with. I was going to have to be stuck with maybe for the rest of my life because I didn't see a true way out. Now, there was one book I remember in the attic about stuttering. There was in the attic of my parents' house, uh, there was a bunch, like there was just a big bookshelf there with, with a bunch of books. And there was actually a book up there about stuttering. Now, the reason that the book was there was stuttering actually does run in my family in terms of like, I have a brother who struggled with it and still struggles with it to some degree. I also have an uncle who stutters pretty severely. My great grandfather stuttered, right? So it runs in my family in terms of the tendency to pick up a stuttering habit. And so anyway, because my brother had stuttered with it, my parents had tried to enroll him in a program that was in Philadelphia, I think at the time there was an event or maybe a week long, a couple days long type of event where my parents took my brother down. And I think they got this book there, which was written by the person doing, doing the instructing and doing the coaching there at that event. But this book was not 
an ideal book. I'm just going to come out and say it was a pretty crappy book because it basically narrowed everything down to one technique. And I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not, I don't even remember what the name of the book is. But the problem with the book is that it was so monolithic. It was so just here's one technique. And all the technique was is exhale before you start talking. So all the technique was. So you just kind of release some air and then you start talking. Now, that's not a bad technique. You can 100% use that as a tool to help you become more fluent and then, you know, add it to your toolbox, add it to your arsenal to help you out, especially maybe if you start to feel tight and tense. But to pretend that one little tool like that is going to make you a great speaker or transform your speech, that's pretty crazy, right? And it's also a bit, I think, disingenuous because the person who wrote the book doesn't actually stutter, has never stuttered. And so he lacks the wherewithal, he lacks the emotional understanding of what it is truly like to deal with stuttering on not only an emotional level, but also a physiological level. So that being said, back to, okay, so this book was up in the attic and I read it and I heard about the technique and I started to try to use it and it, you know, it helped me a little bit on the fringes. Um, but again, it was just one technique. That's not a plan. <laughs> that is not a good plan. And so all of these things started to come together at the same time in a negative way in terms of, again, I just, I started to think about it more. I struggled with it more. I began to develop anxiety around it more and I didn't have a good plan to follow it. And luckily for you guys watching this, you actually have access to a good plan. So don't take that for granted, which is now this is why I offer my free workshop. So again, go watch my free workshop um, in the description below, or you can find it at speakyourmindmethod.com because that is what I would have needed back when I was 14 years old. If only I could have had the workshop that I'm giving you. So that was my big problem, right? I didn't have a plan and therefore things got worse. That's what happens when you have a problem, but you don't have a plan to fix it, but you still try to fix it. You end up in a more chaotic place. And that was true for me. So that was sort of the period of age 14 to 15. And then throughout the rest of my teenage years from 16 to 19, this is the period of time in which I would say I struggled the most with it, or I was the most aware of it. And it truly affected my life in, in just so many different ways that it's truly hard to quantify, especially when, when it's your teenage years those formative years really shape you psychologically and emotionally and mentally and your worldview and how you see people. And, and obviously, uh, even though I'm by no means resentful about it uh, today, I know that it did affect me negatively to where some of the struggles that I deal with today, just emotional, psychological issues, it's probably because of especially those teenage years where I wasn't able to truly maximize my brain or truly develop my brain, especially in terms of social skills and being able to speak well and communicate. And like, I think one, one, um, this is, this is funny because the exact thing that I'm trying to, to, to give you or tell you is that one of the problems I have is recall, not only word recall, but I'll lose my train of thought very easily. And I think that's because during my teenage years, when I struggled with stuttering so much, that 
I could never string together a long paragraph or truly give a speech or truly talk through things in a in a way that was connected that I could keep that train going for long stretches of time. And so I didn't build that skill when most people normally do in their teenage years or even before then. And I struggle with it to this day. Now, I've gotten so much better and being able to make these episodes and make YouTube videos and make course videos, all those things, and just talk to people over Zoom and and being able to coach you guys, all those things really, really help. And among other things, just being able to put myself out there more uh, in my social life. Now, just so you have an inside understanding and look at what my life looked like through this lens of, of speech and stuttering is a few of the of the things that or the habits that I developed that held me back and that kind of made my life just not as fun, not as interesting as it could have been during this time period was one example. And this is a very basic example of this is that basically almost always when I would go to restaurants. So often uh, I have friends and we would play volleyball and then we would go to Applebee's after or something. And Almost always, I just basically got into the habit because I didn't want to deal with stuttering, trying to order what I wanted. I would wait for somebody else to order or if it was eight of us or 10 of us and I would just, and if they would go around like this and the person next to me, whatever they ordered, I would literally piggyback off of what they ordered and just say, yeah, I want the same thing, right? And that just became almost a, that just became a hack that I would just use to avoid the potentiality of embarrassing myself and stuttering when I'm trying to order my food. So those kinds of things, if it's just one thing, it seems small, right? But that's still, that's not a fun thing to not be able to truly get the food that you want or get the drink that you want when you're in the Starbucks drive-thru to be able to actually order what it is that you truly want to drink. Another thing that I struggled with during this time period, which is very relatable for both stutters and non-stutters, of course, is being able to talk to girls or being able to just talk to members of the opposite sex. And for me, you know, it's hard enough for non-stutters to build this skill, especially when you're 16, 17, 18, right? You're you're at that age where you're so bad at it. To throw stuttering on top of that is just, it's it's a terrifying thing to try to engage in. Uh, especially if you're meeting an attractive girl for the first time and you're trying to introduce yourself and and you want to look like and you want to present yourself as an attractive person, right? And so these are all things that I struggled with. Now, I didn't always fail at it, right? It's not like I was absolutely awful at it. Um, and I was able to build somewhat of a skill set within that, but it was still difficult. It was still... Um, it would hold me back from being as confident, from being as forthcoming, from being as attractive as I could have been. And then just a couple other examples of kind of what my life would look like on a day-to-day basis. I just remember most of the time I would be able to say my name very fairly fluently or I wouldn't, there wouldn't be much of a hiccup there. Sometimes there would be, there might be a slight pause and I would kind of block up for a little bit, but once in a while, it would be pretty bad. And I just remember one time specifically, I had just moved to the state of Montana where I lived for about a year in 2016 and 2017. And I remember I was just meeting this person for the first time and she introduced herself to me. And then 
I literally just blocked so hard on my name. This is the first time meeting this woman and I just blocked so hard. And, you know, I had those moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm that person. I can't even say my name. And, and I totally understand the feeling of it makes you feel like you have the lowest IQ in the room. It makes you feel like you are not smart at all. It, and especially it feels like, and it seems like they are going to view you that way, regardless of to what extent that's actually true. We feel that, right? If we can't do basic things like say our name. And so I understand those things. I understand what that's like. And there was another time, right, where I was working at this, I was, it's like a farmer's market type place in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. This was 2014, probably. And because of the repetitive nature of this job, I would learn to circumvent stuttering and I could, I was passable, right? I wouldn't get too stuck too much. Um, It would still happen from time to time if I would ask them if it was credit or debit, for example. I remember that being a common thing uh, that I would hate to say, but usually I would find my way through it. But there was one time this guy very just walked in, very had this condescending sort of vibe about him comes up to the display case with the fried chicken and points at the boneless wings and says what is that and immediately i block up and i try to say boneless wings and i'm just like it doesn't come out and then he of course he had two of his friends with him so he's like snickering and like scoffing like you know this, this this guy stutters like jesus christ you know so that type of energy and so I have these memories. I know what it's like. I know what it feels like to be so ashamed and so embarrassed and so like, God, why can't I just say the most basic things? But also know that these things can change. You don't have to stay where you are. You can make progress. You can make improvement. And we'll talk about this at the end. It's a very important point I'm going to make at the end about improvement. So be sure to stick around for that because it's you may never have thought about it before, but it's incredibly obvious once you realize the point. So that is sort of the timeline all the way up to 19 years old. Now, when I was 19 years old, I finally became so sick of it and I became desperate. I was like, I need a plan. I need to figure out how to become fluent, how to not stutter so much. And I started doing some online research. And then through that, I came across someone who seemed very trustworthy, someone who seemed like they were truly there to help me. And hopefully that is the energy that I give to each and every one who, each and every one of you guys who find me here on YouTube or just on Google, wherever you discovered me. That's exactly how I found my speech coach when I was 19 is just doing online research and then stumbling across a video or two and then the rest was history from there. So I ended up enrolling in one of the programs and that I would say is really, that was the pivotal moment because that was the time period. That was when I truly put myself in position to finally succeed. Why? Because I finally had a plan. I actually had a plan. I had a daily routine. I much like a personal trainer gives you a, a routine, gives you a, an understanding and, a, and an outline of do this, show up five days of the week at the gym, maybe for an hour, right? It was the same type of thing. I finally had a plan and I knew what I needed to do. And that is the value of a plan. And this is where things truly did begin to change. I worked really hard at it. 
That being said, I wasn't perfect. I would often slack off, but I would always find my way back to the plan. I would always find my way back to the routine. And that habit is really what has served me well. And again, that's another point that I'll get into at the end as far as just lessons you can learn from my story. The biggest thing when it came to my ability to overcome stuttering, to build the life that I'm building, and to not have to worry about my speech anymore in terms of stuttering, is that I just, I simply didn't give up. And this is the thing that it seems very simple, it seems very obvious, but it's, this is basically it. If you tell your brain, if you choose to say, I am going to find a way to become a better speaker, your brain, it's amazing what happens to the brain when you set in motion a goal like that, because what happens is your brain finds a way. You find a way. If you have a goal like that, you will find a way if you don't give up. It might take longer than you'd like. It might be more difficult than you'd like. But if you truly want it, you will find a way if you don't give up. That's just the power of how the brain works. If you give your brain a goal, your brain's going to figure it out. If you truly invest, you put some, if you put emotion and heart into it, you are going to find a way. And hopefully that's what led you to my YouTube channel. Hopefully that's what led you to my website is just that, that hunger, that, that urge, that desire to be like, whatever it takes, I'm going to find a way to become better at speaking. And so that was, I would say 19, 20, 21, that was the period of time where I made massive, massive strides. Now, as you can imagine, and, and as, as, and as most 19-year-olds are, we're not very committed. We're not very disciplined as human beings. And I was the same way. I would slack off all the time. And I would never commit for long enough to where I felt like uh, I wouldn't revert back to it. What I mean by that is I would often stick with the routine and the plan for a month or two. And I would start to really see the improvements. And then once I would see those improvements and feel them, I would start to slack off because I'm like, hey, I'm good now, but it wasn't hardwired enough. Those improvements didn't become enough of a habit. So I would slack off and then those old habits would just want to revert and come back. And so that ended up being in the, you know, the push pull process for a couple years there. And the reason that I bring that up is it did take me longer than it should have. Right. I always tell people, because I get this question a lot, how long is it going to take realistically for me to beat stuttering? The number I always give is six to 12 months. Expect it to take six to 12 months. The reason I say six to 12 months and not two to three months is because even though two to three months is actually a real number that if you truly put your head down and you don't miss a beat and you go hard and you do all the challenges, you put yourself out there, you put yourself in new situations, you conquer your fears, you conquer your anxieties, and you just go hard for two to three months, that might be enough to where then after that, it's much more smooth sailing and you can maybe just maintain with a few minutes a day or even a few minutes a week on top of just your everyday life of working on improving your skills in general. But that said, in my experience and in my experience with my students, the majority of us are, it's not going to be quite that tightly knit. It's usually going to, we're going to have a few hiccups. 
where life gets in the way, we get so busy that we forget to do the routine and we just get off track, right? Maybe that'll happen after a couple months and then maybe you've been off track for two to three weeks and then you start to struggle more again and those old habits come roaring back and then you're like, okay, crap, you know, let's jump back on the train and let's get this thing started again. And then you do that for the next few months as well. And that might happen again. That was my story. I'm not telling you that you're not allowed to have hiccups because that would be incredibly hypocritical. I have hiccups or I had hiccups all the time. It was not like this. It was not like I would just stay steady all the time. No, no, I would have spikes. I would stay steady. I would work hard, but then I would slack off. I would come back. I slack off. But the key is I always came back. I always came back. And you can do it too. Don't beat yourself up. Always come back. And yeah, I would say six to 12 months is a good time period to keep in your head. Uh, because even though technically, sure, two to three months, if you really do everything right, you can do it in two to three months. But I want you to expect it to take six to 12 months just because we're all human beings and we're imperfect. So give yourself that buffer and allow for six to 12 months of time. Now for me, it was even longer than that in some ways, although like these things, it's, these things are difficult to, to truly put into their, into an equation or put into a box and, and put on a graph of saying, this is where I was, this is where I am, this is where I am now, right? Because it's, your, our lives change so much, and especially for me, this was all happening in my early 20s and where every year was its own complete crazy adventure and everything was different and it still kind of is that way, which is very exciting and I'm trying to keep it that way for as long as possible where every year truly is its own thing, its own adventure and its own fun that is completely not, will never be replicated again in a future year. And so just be patient with yourself. Give yourself enough time to where you allow for or you almost bake in the fact that you're not going to be perfect. So again, six to 12 months, it's always the timeline that I give. So this was my early 20s, right? 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I was doing much better, but my there was one particular problem I had during this time period, and that was I didn't have enough avenues or really any true reliable avenue for me to put myself in position to grow. What I mean by that is I wasn't doing anything in terms of meeting new people. I wasn't meeting new people much. I wasn't doing any type of public speaking. I wasn't making any type of podcast or YouTube video. I was doing nothing in terms of pushing the boundaries of what I could do because I had become very fluent. I worked for my parents' coffee shop at the time and I was very fluent, right? I I developed my skills to where, especially in those settings, um, outside of obviously the occasional hiccups. And to this day, I have occasional hiccups. That's not really what it's about. This isn't a cure-all. This is about orienting our lives and about really transformation, but it's not a cure-all. And Anyway, I was working at the coffee shop and I was doing my thing and making music. I'm a musician, so I was writing songs in my studio and learning more about music production. And all those things were great, but I wasn't pushing myself. And I wasn't going outside of my state of speech comfort. 
And that was the biggest problem. And, and that is really what limited my growth from 19 to 23. And uh, I just had a client that I talked to the other day who we were talking about this exact thing. And his name is Donald. And what's up, Donald? Hope you're having a great day if you're watching this or listening to this. So Donald uh, has the opportunity to speak. So he works in or he's in the choir at his church and he's able to use that as an avenue of practice, right? He's able to put himself in those situations um, and, and in those and he's able to give himself those opportunities and put himself out there and stretch himself because that's how you grow. That's how you build skills is if you stretch yourself, right? And he even does public speaking at universities and things like of that nature. And I was just like, man, that's awesome because you, you are now so far ahead of most people. You're so far ahead of where I was in my young 20s when I was trying to get better at speaking because I didn't put myself out there. I didn't have those, those opportunities to really stretch myself and to advance my skills. And that, that was, of course, my fault. I totally had, uh, would have had the capacity to go find something to do, whether that's perform at open mics or just do something, right? The opportunity was, of course, there, but I was too lazy and too nonchalant to go and pursue it. But that's the human experience, right? We live and we learn. And anyway, so I would say when I say to you that it took me longer than it should have, that's, I think that's the core reason. I was still getting better. I was still improving in all these little areas, but I wasn't truly pushing myself beyond the boundaries of comfort that I had established for myself. However, when I was 24, I started doing a couple things. One, I started driving for Uber. And two, I started my first YouTube channel where I teach music production, and that's still going, by the way. And those two things, I cannot emphasize enough how incredibly powerful those two things were. Just being an Uber driver, because you get to talk to people, you get to practice it in a repetitive way. And I'm an introvert, so I'm not the type of guy who's going to be at parties all the time or always hanging out with people. And so this gave me the opportunity to, for the work I was doing, I could converse with people, I could practice, I could learn and push myself to be, just be a better communicator, get better at social skills in general. So being an Uber driver was a really, really big step and very, very helpful for me. And another thing, again, was just starting my YouTube channel because turning on the camera, speaking on camera, not only would I speak on camera, I'd have to edit the videos as well so I'd have to watch myself back. And that is great in terms of I could make corrections. I could point out and realize, oh, I'm using ticks. I'm using like too much. I'm using um too much. I am repeating myself. I'm not being clear. I need to be, I need to be more succinct. All of these things, right? That helped me tremendously. And then finally, if you put everything together, all those, you know, taking the program when I was 19, enrolling in that, wiping out my savings for that, I forgot to mention this earlier, is that many of you probably are going to be like, yeah, but his parents paid for it, you know, and, and, and I'm sure he has rich parents, yada, yada, yada. I don't have rich parents. I didn't have rich parents. I paid for it. It was $2,200. That was, I think at the time, my savings was like $2,300 that I happened to have in my savings. I wiped out my savings to go through that speech program. So that's where it all started, right? And then from 
that point on from 19 to 27, literally my birthday is today, uh, I'm 27 now, from 19 to 27, it truly has been quite an interesting experience in terms of that's the true transformation did happen. It really did from 19 to now. The transformation is unreal. And especially, I would say, between 19 and 23, 24, that was the bulk of it in terms of in terms of stuttering. But then I would say from 24 to now at 27, what I'm really learning more is not so much stuttering. It's just now I'm really leaning into speech skills, being able to be a better communicator and to not mumble on about stuff that isn't relevant, to try to keep your attention, right? To try to just be compelling as a speaker because I know and I'm aware of how valuable that skill is. And that's what I'm trying to teach here as well at Speak Your Mind Method is not just, oh, overcome stuttering, but no, let's shift your mindset and let's instead build fluent speech skills, build compelling speech skills so that not only do you overcome stuttering, but you also become a compelling and interesting speaker that people want to talk to, that people want to hang out with. So that, my friend, is my story. That is sort of just a little journey through the weeds of my background, my childhood, my teenage years, and into my 20s. And now to wrap up this episode, what I thought I would do is just give you three takeaways, three lessons you can learn from my story. And this is probably the most important part of this episode. So be sure that you pay attention to these. Now, this episode has been going on for a little bit longer than I expected it to. So I'm I'm not going to spend too much time on these. But the first takeaway is this. It's not about being cured of stuttering. It's about becoming so good at speaking that you are no longer held back from the life you want to live. That's the mindset I want you to adopt. It's not about overcoming stuttering or managing stuttering. It's not that. Instead, and it's also not about curing stuttering, for sure. That's, I'm not cured. But what I am is I've, my speech is at the point now where it does not hinder anything in my life. It does not keep me from doing anything I want to do. It does not hinder my dating life, my my friendships. It does not hinder my business life, my entrepreneurial life, my ability to travel, my ability to do anything. My speech no longer hinders me. And even the small things, it doesn't hinder me from ordering what I want at Starbucks or McDonald's or anywhere else. I now, I always order exactly what I want. No problems, right? It's not about being cured of stuttering. Instead, it's about positioning your speech And of course, your life, because this is all a holistic process. It's not your speech cannot be addressed completely in isolation. This is about your life as a whole. You can live the life you want to live, but it's really hard to do that if your speech is the roadblock. And I am all about helping you remove that roadblock and give you the tools to um, expand your fluency and to sometimes slowly, sometimes there's spikes where it happens more quickly But at the end of the day, as long as you're improving, you are going somewhere, right? As long as you are pursuing it, as long as, like I mentioned before, as long as you are in the headspace of, I will find a way. And as long as you don't give up, your brain is going to find a way to achieve the result that you're looking for. Okay? So that is takeaway number one. It's not about being cured. It's about becoming so good at speaking that you're no longer held back from anything you want to do with your life. Now, takeaway number two is the inevitability rule. This is what I call the inevitability rule. 
And what this rule basically states is that if you never stop improving, excellence is inevitable. If you never stop improving, excellence is inevitable. And we all know this to be true, right? So here in Colorado Springs, there is an incredible mountain called Pikes Peak. And there's a road that goes all the way to the top, which is incredible to drive. I've done the drive a bunch of times. You can also take the train up to the top. You can also, if you are a crazy person, you can hike up to the top. Now, when I say hike up to the top, I'm talking 14,000 feet elevation, which is what would I wrote this down? It's almost 4,300 meters, 4,300 meters above sea level at the top of Pikes Peak. So the inevitability rule. If you try, so the trail that goes up there is called Bar Trail. If you try to go on Bar Trail all the way up to the top of Pikes Peak, is it difficult? Yeah, it's crazy. But if you always are moving towards the top, at some point you will get there. If you never stop improving, you will reach your destination. If you keep taking a step upwards, if you keep getting if you keep going upwards, if you don't go down, you can take rest, you can take breaks, whatever. As long as you are consistently working on slowly getting to the top, no matter how slowly, no matter how fast, if you never stop going towards the top, if you never stop truly taking those steps towards the top, you will get there eventually. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And it's the same thing with like shooting a basketball. If every night for two hours you go out to your driveway and you shoot hoops, you're going to have a pretty good three-point shot after a few months. That's pretty inevitable. You're going to grow your skills pretty exponentially if you do that. And it's the same thing with your speech. It is basically inevitable that you will see a transformation in your life if you just never stop improving. If you commit to that idea, to that ethos of no matter what, even if it's the tiniest, minusculest minusculist, I don't know if that's a word, if it is the tiniest improvements, I don't care. Tiny, big, small, as long as I am improving, I will reach excellence with my speech. It's an inevitable fact. It's a law. At some point when you're hiking up that trail, if you keep taking a step at a time and you keep going towards that peak, you will reach the peak eventually. So that's takeaway number two. And that's, again, my story. I didn't give up no matter how many hiccups I would have, I always would end up coming back to the program or the plan or the daily routine or simply just working on my speech skills more and blocking out more time for it. That I really want you to think about this and to remember this, that truly is inevitable if you never stop improving. And finally, takeaway number three is it doesn't matter how many times you get off track, it matters how many times you get back on this might be the most important one, and this is totally my story. As I mentioned before, I was never perfect. I never even, especially early on when I was 19, 20, 21, I never went through actually a period of six months straight where I would do the five to six days a week, an hour a day type of routine. It always sort of would start to taper off after about two months. And so even though I should have done it for six to 12 months where I just Every single day, just develop the routine, just develop the routine and you stick with it over and over and over again. Uh, but the problem was I was 19 <laughs> and as, and I'm a human being, I'm imperfect. All of us are human beings. All of us are imperfect. And so 
we cannot allow ourselves to beat ourselves up just because we got off track. Because getting off track doesn't matter as much as you think. What really matters is how many times you get back on. Do you always get back on or do you beat yourself up and decide that you're just stuck with stuttering or you're just stuck with the life the way that it is? You don't have to live that way. It's okay. You can even be comfortable with failure in terms of you can be comfortable with feeling like, man, I always get off track. I always stop doing the routine after three or four weeks and then I don't do it for another week or two weeks. Like that's fine. I mean, that's not ideal, right? We want to try to get better and really make it tight knit and make sure that we we stick with it and that we don't allow long stretches of time without truly doing the routine and putting in the work. But you can't beat yourself up. You got to be willing to say, look, that's okay. I got off track. I'm just going to hop right back on without a hitch. I'm just going to hop right back on the train. You can do it. So those are the three takeaways, which let me just uh, repeat them one more time. The first takeaway is it's not about being cured of stuttering. It's about becoming so good at speaking that you are no longer held back from the life you want to live. Takeaway number two is the inevitability rule, which states if you never stop improving, excellence is inevitable. And number three, it doesn't matter how many times you get off track. It matters how many times you get back on. So I hope you found this episode helpful. I know this went a little longer than I was expecting it to, but I guess that's what happens when you try to tell your life story <laughs> or you try to walk from like my childhood all the way to now I'm 27. And also, let me give you three more takeaways to chew on based on my life story and what you can learn from it. So all that said, I truly hope that you found this episode helpful. I truly hope that it gave you some clarity, some hope, some uh, fire in your bones. Is that the expression that doesn't sound right? But anyway, I just hope it gave you, I hope it got you excited. That's what I'm trying to say. I hope it got you excited. So if you are ready to dive deeper into this stuff and you want to get a plan, remember how I kept saying how I didn't have a plan early on and that was to my demise. And finally, I got a plan and that's when things started to change. You need a plan and I've got a great place for you to start. It's completely free and it's my Stop Stuttering workshop. I'll leave a link in the description below or you can just go to speakyourmindmethod.com and right on the homepage on the website, you can't miss it. You can uh, access the free workshop there. So be sure to check that out and let me know in the comments. Let me know your story or send me an email and just let me know kind of what your journey has been and if you relate to anything that I said or even if you didn't, I would just love to hear your story because we all have different stories and it's always, I find it very informative and helpful and insightful just to be able to hear uh, the stories of people who've also struggled with stuttering uh, at different parts or perhaps throughout their lives. So thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode. I will see you in the next one. Have a great rest of your day.